and welcome to the GBC Big 3 podcast. This is a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I am your host, Jess Baker, and I am super excited to introduce my co-host, Pastor Jodine Watling. How are you going, Jodine? Hey, Jess, I'm good. Very good. We've got girl power again on the panel today. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Um, Jodes, what did you get up to this weekend? I did a spot of mountain biking, so it's my new thing. I used to do it a while back in, I don't know, a former life, downhill mountain biking. So I've just got a new bike and it's an e-bike because I'm also consciously thinking of my carbon footprint and how I can ride places more. Um, New South Wales is a little bit more hilly, though, than than compared to another state I used to live in. Uh, So, yeah, I went mountain biking um, downhill in the Royal National Park. Very nice. I couldn't even get up my street on a bike. That's why I've got an e-bike. So it helps you get your fitness back and then soon you're dropping down the power, but you've always got that there to boost you. Awesome. Mm. That sounds great. Mm. Very active, very out and about. I sat on my lounge. Very exciting time for me this weekend, (laughs) for the whole weekend. Oh, also we did our Creating Safe Spaces. We did. Look at us go. Mm. We're so safe. Yeah. We love the children. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, in a moment... We're going to be joined by Mark Rader, who preached during our online services this past Sunday. Jodine and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. For those of you who missed it, Mark spoke about how our lives are the medium for the message of the gospel as part of our series titled The Church Reimagined. You can listen to that message again if you want to through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. But for now, Judine, what what kind of was your takeaway from the message this weekend? I think my takeaway was, okay, if the medium is the message mm. and the medium is your life, mm. what is your life saying about Jesus? Yeah, And I think it's especially critical in such a, uh, to jump on the bandwagon, unprecedented time in this world. Mm. Uh, I think it really... Uh, it's taken away what we know as familiar and maybe the things that we're comfortable with doing and it's changed the whole game. So it really makes you evaluate it at this point in time, like what is your message and how is the medium of your life playing that out? Yeah, and I loved what you talked about at the end during the wrap-up about, you know, if your life was a letter, what would it look like? Would people be offended by that letter? Would there be heaps of hypocrisy in there? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, God, (laughs) what is my letter? Yeah, yeah, a bit confronting, but Mm. it's a good message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, Well, I think it's time for us to start looking at the big three questions this week submitted through Slido. So, Jodine, what are the the questions for today? So, question number one is, how do I deal with these two conflicting truths? Number one, I'm an imperfect human being. And number two, the way I live my life is supposed to bring people to Jesus. Mm. (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Question number two. It sounds like you're asking us to live a great life in order to reach people. Shouldn't we be doing that because we love God? Mm, that question's a bit sassy. I like it. <laughs> I was like, uh, Mark, uh, hang on. <laughs> yeah. hold, hold the phone. And number three, how much can we adapt to our culture before we are no longer faithful to the gospel? Awesome. Mm. Excited about the lineup today. Mm. Well, in order to answer these questions, we need the help of our senior pastor, Mark Rader. So welcome, Mark. Thanks, Jess. Um, how was your week this week? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, last week was just really full and 
kind of hit the wall at the end of it, to mm. tell you the truth. But uh, I had a pretty good re- weekend and whatnot. So, yeah, it was good. Got to, nice. see, got to see my uh, my youngest daughter play soccer for the first time. She plays representative Ooh. soccer. And first so time this year, not first yeah. time in your life. First, yeah, first time <laughs> this year. Just first time, entered yeah. reps. That's no fun. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, her season started a little bit late, obviously, like everything else did. Mm. Um, and because we're online, it's a little bit easier for me to get – to her games, yeah, but nice. I still hadn't managed to get to one until yesterday. So that was, it's always, always a delight to watch her chase people down and take the ball away from very them. Good. So, did she yeah. win? They did. Oh, they did. They had a 4 exciting. 1 win. Yeah, did she have a red face? Uh, she did have a bit of a red face. People who didn't listen to last week will be like, what the? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's super composed. So she, mm. like, she never looks particularly fussed by nearly anything which I thought she didn't get that from me sounds like someone I know <laughs> oh I don't know well the soccer field that was a little bit more reactionary yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. well that's awesome it's great to have you here Mark all right guys let's get stuck into the big three questions so question number one how do I deal with these two conflicting truths? I am an imperfect human being. And then the second part is the way I live my life is supposed to bring people to Jesus. Mark. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. I mean, I think the answer is to stop seeing them as conflicting truths. Mm. That, to some degree, it's as, it's as simple and as complicated as that. Yeah. You know, I think we're, we are under the, we, we know that we're not perfect. Right? We know that we're not perfect and we know that we are to invite people to follow Jesus, but we seem to see them as incompatible. And that means that when we're imperfect, we don't share for fear of being accused of hypocrisy or uh, or being caught out in our own hypocrisy mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And I think that we need to somehow we need to somehow recapture the sense that, you know what, that's the whole point. Like, if we start uh, or if we believe that we have to be perfect before we can invite people to follow Jesus, then that sets up the wrong kind of follower model because what we're setting up is a model that says you have to be perfect to follow yeah. Jesus. And who wants to take that invitation up, right? Like, you know, people are people turn off social media because of the unrealistic expectations mm. placed on it. And they know yeah. about the filters and they know about the, you know, all yeah. those bits and pieces. How much more so when we're talking about following God, you know, like that's just such a, a, a big deal. And so we somehow need to figure out, you know, what that looks like to, to, keep, to hold them together, really. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, when you start thinking about, I, I don't know. Is is there a base level of of holiness required to start inviting people to follow Jesus? Yeah. And, and and I think I think the answer is no. You know, like when you come to faith, you, know, you look at some of the stories in the Gospels. You know, um, you know the the demoniac in the Gerasenes area. You know, who had the legion of demons. Jesus casts all the demons out and the guy says, Oh, can I come with you? And Jesus is like, no, I want you to go and tell people what God's done for you. And off he goes. And you're like, that's all the training. <laughs> like, that's it. A guy who was, we don't even know why he was demon possessed. Like, was he just an innocent victim or like, was he involved in the occult? And, and that's why it all happened. Had he been worshiping idols? And that's like, none of that's addressed. Yeah. Jesus doesn't say, Oh, and here's a copy of the old Testament. You might want to read it. It's really, really handy. He just says, go. 
and and so the the immediacy there's no kind of um, there's no line apart from uh, apart from us saying I've been changed. I've discovered something. I've discovered someone. I need to tell everybody about it. And then over time, I think we need to make sure that our lives are as aligned as they can be, um, mm-hmm. but not be afraid of the, you know, the the the, the hypocrisy because everyone's a hypocrite. Everyone's a hypocrite. No one lives up to their ideals entirely, be they religious ideals or political ideals mm-hmm. or ethical ideals or just personal, secular. I want to be a good person. Ideals. So. I suppose that depends on what message we're saying in terms of how much of a hypocrite we are. If we're saying, you know, to be a Christian is to live a perfect life and and to do good deeds gets us into heaven and things, then yes, definitely we're hypocrites because we're just not that perfect. But the message that we're bringing is we're not perfect, and that's where kind of grace steps in, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> mm, that's right. And, yeah. and I think and that, and that's actually really critical, Jess, because the gospel is not about. I mean, there's an element, of course, that we will be made perfect, but. Mm. You know, the, the language that Jesus m- more often uses and that you find in the Old Testament is about things being made new. Mm. You know, it's going to be us that are made new. And, and so, you know, I, I, you know we, we, we realize that if we're going to be in heaven with Jesus, then there'll probably have to be a need for no more sin. So, okay, gotcha on that front. I understand the problem. But, yeah, no, the, the message of the gospel is that imperfect people have been called into a relationship with God, the source of life, and that by him we have life. And so... We're trying to figure out life with God. Yeah. That's a very different message. Yeah, for sure. Mm. What about you, Jodes? What do you think? Uh, look, I can feel this question. Um, it's so easy to look at the polarities of things. Mm. Um, and I, I guess just looking at this question, it's like, how do I deal with these things? I'm an imperfect human. <laughs> the way I live my life is supposed to bring people to Jesus. And I think um, I think Jesus invites us into communion in, the, in these spaces as opposed to the black and white harshness of the um, – mm the view of stuff. And I think when we take a position that it's actually the Holy Spirit that's doing not only the work in us, but also the work in other people, Mm. it takes off that heavy burdening of expectation that we're probably putting on ourselves. Mm. (laughs) And I'd probably ask the question, is that expectation, that heavy expectation extending to other areas of our life, not just this question. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think I, um, and I guess to answer the question of like, how do I deal with this? Um, I think one of the practices I find really helpful is what's my next faithful step Mm. because as the Chinese proverb says, uh, you know, a journey of a thousand miles is made up with one step. So what is the next step? Don't worry about the big picture. Don't worry about the lives of other people. Just worry about your own or not even worry about it. Just embrace your next faithful step. Um, And then people are like, well, how do I do that? (laughs) It's like, well, maybe, you know, what is on your heart that's been, you know, maybe concerning you or maybe God's speaking to you about or has been coming up in your reading or through your prayer. Uh, Or maybe it's time to do a bit of a life audit and go, okay, in the areas of my maybe physical health, emotional, spiritual, um, work life, relationships, where's an area that, you know, maybe – needs renewing uh, Mm. and some new life to it and how can Jesus show up in that space so I think the thing I would go back to is what's my next faithful step yeah and not using this as kind of a stumbling block of I can't talk about Jesus because I haven't been that good lately or I'm a midwife and the thing the the culture at my hospital is a lot of gossip but I think Mm. we're in a really stressed environment at work and you know we need to kind of blow off some steam and talk about you know a few things at the desk and so I'm really like using that as a motivator of no I need to kind of live this life for Jesus and I need to be seen to be doing the right thing and so 
it, it kind of gives you a little bit of incentive to maybe not engage in those conversations. I don't always do it that well, but uh, yeah. And yeah. I think that thing of like you're saying, you want to be seen to be doing the right thing. It's like, what about reframing that as like, what's going to be the thing that's going to be life giving firstly for yeah. me, but also for the people around yeah. me? is talking about other people without, you know, mm. yeah, nah. Look, sometimes it's fun. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong, it's fun sometimes. Um, but I think, you know, when we engage ourselves in that relationship with ourselves and mm. be connected to ourselves and then to God and then to the people around us, it just naturally changes the game. Yeah, awesome. All right, guys, let's get stuck into number two. Um, so this is the sassy question that I'm really uh, I'm living for, <laughs> which I'm sure is going to be a really straightforward answer, but let's get into it anyway. Um, it sounds like you're asking us to live a great life in order to reach people. Shouldn't we be doing that because we love God? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're right, Jess. I think it, I think it is a simple question, yeah. a, sorry, a simple answer in the sense of, well, yes. You know, Christians are not um, – we are not essentially philanthropists, right? Because philanthropy is the love of others. Um, we 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 engage in in good deeds, so to speak, not just because we love other people, but first and foremost because we love God. Mm-hmm. And out of and out of our love for God, that then shapes our love for others, right? Uh, it defines the kind of love that we show, right? So if God has loved us in such a sacrificial, generous, big-hearted way, then that shapes the way we love. We're not kind of making up love of brother, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, 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 or in terms of our own understanding of what that looks like, you know, it's convenient for me now, or it's, you know, this is really important for one reason or another. It is part of that, that wider picture, um, of, of trying to, trying to, um, express our love for God, in our love for other people. Um, mm. so yeah, I think that, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good question in that sense. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, we have to make sure that our love for God is, um, is expressed in our love to others. Right. Mm. So when Jesus is asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment, he kind of gives a two for one deal, right. Which is very generous of him, you know, <laughs> but that whole, you got to love God and love others. Mm. Um, and, and, and Jesus doesn't make it an either or, he doesn't say, well, you, there's two paths, right? You can love God or you can love others. Yeah. He says these, they have to go together. And, and I think sometimes we can allow our love, we can focus on our love for God to the, to the exclusion of our love for others. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, because the sort of love that God shows to us is so confronting and uh, mm. so sacrificial that it, um, it, it often calls much more from us than we're necessarily willing to give, or we can focus on the love of others rather than on the love of God, right? So mm-hmm. we can end up focusing on doing good things for other people or doing nice things for other people. And, and, and while good and nice things are good and nice, ultimately, you know, as Joseph just saying about, you know, doing things that, that give life, that are life-giving, that's the stuff that God calls us to do. So it's mm-hmm. not just about loving people with nice things or good things, but it's about loving them into life. It's about loving them into, into something that is new and fresh and restored um, and, and, and uh, returned to its original in that sense. And so I think that becomes a pretty big challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do we balance those things up? Um, how do we keep in mind that what we're doing is about, is about more than 
just good deeds, you know, like Jodes, you know, I know that we've had a number of conversations about like the development space in terms of international development and, uh, and that, you know, there's a real important, and this has been important for the church for a long time that you want to feed people physically before you <laughs> kind of feed the soul. Like to some degree, nobody cares about Jesus if they're starving to mm. death or if they're about to die of some illness. Like there's, there's kind of really pressing needs that we want to address. But if we only address the food and the medicine and the social ills and never, and never find a way to point to Jesus, regardless of whether the invitation is taken up, then some, somehow we're sort of lacking in that. But if our piety means that we never support projects that feed the poor because, well, they don't preach the gospel. It's, oh, I'm not. Mm. So I think that's a, I think that's an interesting tension yeah. for us to work out. Yeah, yeah. sure. What do you think? What do I think? Uh, yeah, similarly, like what Mark was saying, I love how Jesus <laughs> throws two stones. Like, here's your focus points. Like, mm. love God, love others. Uh, and uh, I think they align each other um, because, yeah, you can do the good stuff and the right stuff. Mm. But if your heart's not loving your neighbour in that, you can smell it a mile off. Mm. So I think they kind of course correct you on a number of different levels. Yeah, because we can go. Oh yes, yes, I love God, and then you're like, "Well, show me how you love your neighbor," and then it's like, um, <laughs> you know. So I think it's a it's a really awesome course corrector. So I guess yeah, the question to live a great life in order to reach people, um, shouldn't we be doing that just because we love God? Y- yeah. <laughs> well, it's an extension of right yeah. because if we love God, you like you know if you think about people that you love, you know, one I think one of the. Um, I think one of the marks of loving someone is that you want the best for them, mm. right? And you want to see them succeed in what they're doing. You want them to succeed. And, you know, I was, you know, talking about watching my daughter's soccer game. Like I wanted them to win, you know, not only because I, you know, then I can feel like I've sort of won because I was on the winning side, but because yeah, that's just good for them. You want them to have a good game because it's good for them. And that, that gets played out in so many different aspects of our lives. So if we love God, then we should want him to succeed, like we should want the best for him. We should want him to to <laughs> to meet all his goals, right? To to kind of hit all those home runs, to to to, to win, to mm. to to do what he's set out to do. And so our love for him then is to align with his projects. We kind of look at what God has done and what he's seeking to do. And we kind of go, I want to see you succeed. I want to help with that. Like, how can I help you? succeed in renewing the world. And I know that, you know, comparatively speaking, I don't bring a great deal, but what can I do? How can mm-hmm. I help? How can I help in this situation? And, and so our love for others then is generated by our love for God of this is what God's about. And because God's about this, I, I want to be about this too. Yeah. Uh, because God loves these people that I'm reaching out to. I want to love them too, because that, you know, that brings glory to God. Um, because it, it it's helping his cause and his purpose and his mission and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's I, I think it is a it is that yes, hmm. but it's almost a matter of kind of unpacking the yes and saying so why is it yes that hmm. we're trying to love God and love others and, uh, and and how do we hold not that there's a tension but I think you're right it's kind of a dual focus uh, and so where 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 is our eye land and where do our efforts lie and and all of those sorts of things yeah it's good i'd also add that it's just in nature things um i guess that are life-giving are generative and exponential like they always grow um you see that in plants and animals Mm. and just you know nature itself and i think gosh if there's anything worth living it's worth loving over to other people and sharing Mm. that and it will just naturally grow yeah Mm. and it's probably easier to sit in your room and read your bible and love on god 
more so than it is to love on people because people are mean. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's where it, that's where it, the rubber hits the road, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, let's get stuck into question number three. Okay, question number three is. How much can we adapt to our culture before we are no longer faithful to the gospel? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's we want a, good a really question. black and white. This <laughs> yeah, is the, really this black is the and line. <laughs> I feel like a teenager. Uh, being like, so where is the line I can cross here? <laughs> this is the geo position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is this the sassy question or is it the previous one? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think that's a really good question. So again, just from I guess a little bit of background. Um, we're using the passage out of uh, 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul says, I'll be, I'm trying to be all things to all people. Mm. And, and I made the observation that that's not a theological all things to all people. So Paul wasn't going to water down the gospel or compromise mm. the gospel. And it wasn't an ethical uh, adaptation, you know, where I think the example I used was, um, you know, Paul d- doesn't say to the thieves, I became a thief <laughs> to win mm. the thieves, you know. Um, so there, there are some limits to both the theological and ethical components. That, that Paul's talking about. So the adaptation, the all things to all people then, does become um, kind of uh, language. It becomes um, uh, kind of the cultural components of it. And so that, I think that's the background of that question, be mm. my guess, yeah. right? Um, and so adapting to our culture, finding ways to um, shape the message, the unchanging message of the gospel in ways that, make sense for people in our, in our world, I think becomes a really critical question. So with that kind of as background, it's giving me a little bit of time to think as well. (laughs) So um, like one of the things that I think we have to avoid is, um, is actually the black and white answers, uh, which I think is, like I, I hate yeah, that's that. real annoying, Mark. It is just <laughs> off the black and white answers. Oh, oh, I'm like, so I, over them. I good at the start. Good at the start when yeah. you're young and maturing. Yep. Black and white all the way. But then as you get older, give me the grey. No, oh, I still man. want black and white. Days. <laughs> <laughs> you're still young. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me when you're my age. We'll have another conversation. Yeah, but like you know, there's a part of me. I think I really resonate with the Pharisees yeah. in lots of ways. Because they sought to make the law black and white. Yeah, mm. yeah, totally. <laughs> what does it mean to obey the Sabbath or to observe the Sabbath? This. So here's 37 things. Okay, yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. Right. Yeah. Do you know, are they a little nitpicky? Sure, but it's <laughs> black and white. Like I now know what I can and cannot do, and yeah. that's so helpful. So uh, but the problem with black and whites is that they, they do become – they become more important, right? So, you know, you think about the Pharisees again. It was their 37 or whatever it was kind of regulations about the Sabbath that became the more important thing than observing the Sabbath. So when <laughs> Jesus shows up and <laughs> completely messes with their 37, they had no framework for it and it becomes this rigid, inflexible system. And, uh, you know, it's not just the Pharisees where you, where you see that played out. I, again, I may have referred to this in previous podcasts, but H. Richard Niebuhr's book, Christ and Culture, written in, I think it was 1949. So it sounds awfully dated by mm. now, but um, he was dealing with pluralism and how do we deal with the pluralism in our world and make ethical decisions as we follow after Jesus? Um, and one of his central kind of premises was that you you can't, None of our answers are final. None of our answers are final mm-hmm. or very few of our answers are final. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably, if I can put it a little bit, uh, a little bit more gray, you know, there, there are probably a few answers where we kind of go, yep, yeah, 
that's we can't we can't do that. Um, and so he framed up kind of five different ways of engaging with our culture, right? So, you know, the one is just to run away, right? To, to, to back off. That's my tactic. Yeah, and just say, <laughs> that's not of God. It, that's it, like, we just have to walk away from that. We can't be involved in that space. Right. There are other places where Christians, I think, can be involved because there's some resonance with what we find and see. And then there's three kind of areas in the middle, right? Where uh, what we see in culture can be called up and kind of called into kingdom purposes. Uh, there's another word there. We just have to hold them in tension sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like what does it mean? You know, the, the, the classic in this case was, you know, Martin Luther in the, in the 16th century, uh, basically saying that um, a Christian could be uh, uh, in kind of a, a civil magistrate and could execute people and still be a Christian. And he just, he said that we have to hold them in tension as an individual, you have to love people, and so you'd want, you'd want to see them live. But as a civil magistrate, to love the community, you want to rid the community of the evil, right, and bring justice. And so he just said you have to hold those in tension. And then there's another middle position of things being transformed by Jesus. And, and the point that Niebuhr was making, that might have been too long of an introduction, but the point that Niebuhr was making, <laughs> gone into full teacher mode here, um, was that we need to be aware of these, what he called paradigms, and then basically approach every new ethical situation with them in mind and just recognize that once we institutionalize our answers, mm-hmm. we, we run into all sorts of problems. Yeah. So we can't have a, a once for all solution. And I think that then leads into the adaptations that we can make in the gospel, right? Um, you know, I think that there are, you know, for instance, if you think through, you think through, um, you think through history, in various times in various places, there's been a, a very different emphasis on what we might call evangelistic sermons, right? So again, I, I opened the sermon by um, letting people know that I work at Moreland College. I'm one of the part-time faculty there. I'm teaching church history. And so we've just gone through some of the revivalist preaching of the, 70s, of the 18th century. And they focused on how desperately sinful you were and how close the horrors of hell were Mm. and that you need to kind of repent. Now, I I wouldn't want to deny eternal judgment and I wouldn't want to deny the importance of sin in terms of uh, uh, turning people back to Jesus. But I think in our culture... That's not the, it's not the same motivator. People don't love hearing that they're sinful. Well, and it's <laughs> they're not, not into it. Or they can't hear it. It's yeah. a different, we hear in a different way now. Yeah, yeah and I think, I think that's it, Jodes. Because, mm. I mean, nobody likes hearing that. I don't think anyone's ever <laughs> yeah. kind of gone, wow, I'm, I'm delighted to know that I'm such a despicable rat bag. <laughs> yeah. but, but it doesn't compel you either. It doesn't compel you, not in the way that it did. No, mm. that's right. Right, And so I think that, again, while you, we, we can't drop eternal judgment, that's that's part of what we believe. We can't drop sin. That's a really significant part of what we believe. But in our culture, the starting point for people might need to be different. Like an an evangelistic approach might need to start someplace else. You know, so you think about what what resonates with people now a little bit more is that whole, you know, living a life with purpose. That well, people kind of go, oh, I'm into that, you know, Mm. or the wisdom to make decisions. Uh, in in kind of the pluralism that we face, like those are the sorts of things that really resonate with people, I mm-hmm. think, and and those are legitimate places for us to start with the gospel. Then, and so I think we need to be list, as, you know, as I said about translation, we need to be listening to our culture pretty strongly to kind of go, okay, what what resonates this, and and be aware then of what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. So if we never ever talk to people about being sinners, we're not actually preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
Like we're not. You, know, you, you can't read through the Bible and kind of go, eh, sin doesn't really matter that much. It used to, but it doesn't now. No, it still matters. Uh, is the, are there eternal consequences for that? Yeah, yeah, there are. And so we, we do have to get there eventually, just like we have to get to every aspect of the gospel, right? You know, like the, the revivalists preached, you know, three things, sin and then the need for repentance, right? Uh, and then a, a, a renewed life. Those were the things they were focused on. Well, there's a lot more to the gospel than that, mm. but in that context. And so I think that we need to be always asking the questions about what's resonating with our, you know, our communities, uh, broadly speaking, where the, where the, where's the, where are they itchy? And they need the scratch of the gospel to kind of go, oh, that's so good. You yeah. Know, just <laughs> yeah. a little lower, you know, yeah. uh, th- that whole idea. And, and if we're not listening very well, then we end up, we end up with an, it's not an unfaithfulness to the gospel, but we end up with an outmoded approach to the gospel that doesn't appeal. Right. And I think, again, you go back to 1 Corinthians 9, Paul's concern was that he might win some. Right, he might win some. He recognizes not everyone's going to accept that invitation, but he wants to win them, and so he does need to get them to the point where they kind of get it about the gospel, right? Where they understand what it is they're signing up for, right? You can't just kind of say, "Hey, listen, God has a wonderful purpose for your life," and there's some, you know, like we, 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 you know, we need to kind of get it all in there, right? We can't treat it like the fine print in a pharmaceutical ad, right? It's got to be, you know, (laughs) it's got to be out there eventually. But how we start. I think yeah. is, is pretty important. So I like, again, so there's no real firm and firm line, but I think there are a couple of questions we can ask. So I think one of the questions is, um, you know, when, when do we get to the full gospel? It's probably a pretty good question, you know? So if we list all the things that people would need to know to be able to go, yep, yeah, I'm in, when do we get to those things? And if our answer was some of those big components of the gospel is never, then we may have gone too far in terms of our adaptation. Um, I think that's something. Uh, and I think that's a, a pretty good question. I think a second question that's quite useful um, is probably uh, about, you know, um, what, what terms are we translating and how? Mm. You know, like, so we talk about sin. We have to talk about sin because Jesus' death doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mm without sin, but we might not sin doesn't really, as you know, Joe said, it doesn't really resonate now. It's not language that we, mm. and we sort of hear it. People would broadly know what you mean by that, but. And I think their idea of sin is that they've murdered someone. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like, well, I haven't murdered I anyone. Yeah, so I'm a really good, good person. Yeah. yeah. They can't or, get or that they're sinful in their day to day. Or it's some sort of balance thing, mm. right? That if I do more good things than bad things, then I'm, then, yeah, I'm, that's right. then I'm qualified as a good person. And yeah, yeah I'm not perfect, but you know, and, and so I think that we need to be asking, so how are we translating the concept of sin in, into our conversations? How do we do that? <laughs> that's us. another Please. question. <laughs> well, but I, I think that's where, you know, we need to ask ourselves, how are we doing it? And then, and then almost bounce off other people to say, have I, does this image, does this parallel, does this analogy, does it miss something? Mm. Right. You know, so you think about, you know, all the various ways that people have talked about sin, you know, is miss, well, the Bible talks about sin, missing the mark. 
Okay, that's a that's an aim thing. Okay, so your intention. What's your intention? Oh, that's an interesting way to talk about sin. You know, so to talk to people about all their all their everything they do, both the good things they do and the bad things they do. Why are they doing them? What's your intention? Are you aiming to please God or are you aiming just to please yourself? Which reframes even our good deeds as sinful mm. <laughs> if they're just for my purpose, right? In terms of the Bible. Or you talk about transgression. You know, good old old kind of an old-fashioned word to some mm-hmm. degree, but you think about transgressing or trespassing on someone's property, you kind of go, oh, that makes some sense. We could we could work with that. So I think utilizing some of the other imagery is mm-hmm. really quite helpful in that space. Uh, and then just bouncing off other people, they kind of go, Did I, does that capture all of it or enough of it? Um, and, and, you know, being open to kind of go, ah, oh, yeah, probably... I, probably, I probably pulled the punch a bit on that one by talking about sin as, you know like dirt that you can wash off or something like, I don't know what yeah. it might be. So, hmm. And you talked a little bit about in your sermon how the church in Corinth are never pulled up on how they, uh, like they're not encouraged through their persecution that they're not, they look the same as the community. Hmm. In today, in our church, in our like church culture, do you think um, that we're kind of blending in a little bit? Because it feels like there's a little bit of persecution. As soon as you say you're a Christian, you know, you're, you're different and you, and you stand mm. out. People have preconceived ideas about yeah. that. Yeah. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. I think uh, I, 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 I do have that kind of closet affiliation, affiliation with the Pharisees, right? So mm. I think I'd like to say, yes, of course, we're all blacks, backsliders. It's all mm. horrible. Uh, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't really know what evidence I have for that. I, I do think that the church in the last little while, last 30 or 40 years, has sought to become more relevant. Mm. And I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's the translation of the gospel into a new setting. Um but I'm not sure that the church has always been very good at asking the questions. So how far have we gone? Yeah. You know, I think that that's an interesting question for me. You know, so like one of the places that I, that, that I see that is, you know, like even um, say in the use of um, like movies and stuff, you know, what are there certain movies that we should and shouldn't talk about as reference points for faith, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, or, you know, the, you know, the, the way in which like often, you know, like live worship concerts, like there's mm-hmm. just kind of, there's a weird mix there for me of, okay, we're worshiping God, but it is a concert and we paid a ticket mm-hmm. to be here. And there's an element of performance because this is done time after time, after time, after time. And, there's lights and smoke machines and mm. the video screens and it looks just like a concert. Millennials love that stuff though. Yeah. But I think one, <laughs> and I, I'm not, I wouldn't want to say that's necessarily a, a bad thing, mm. but are we asking the questions where yeah. does entertainment stop and worship begin? Like, are we even asking those questions? And I'm not sure the church, particularly the evangelical church, I'm not sure we've been very good at that. Mm. We've kind of focused on the let's be relevant. Yeah. You know, let's try to make this adapt. Let's adapt this so it kind of really makes sense for people and resonates with people. And, and I'm like, yeah, yes, good. That's part of the gospel. But um, I think if we're never asking the questions, I think we end mm-hmm. up getting into a little bit of strife um, pretty quickly. And, and I think that, you know, it's the same problems the church has always faced in any era. You're reducing the yeah. gospel to trying to be good people. 
which comes almost back to the first question, yeah. you know, that's, uh, it's more to it than that. We, we need a broader understanding of a life of faith so that, you know, our life of faith is not just about being good at work and not, mm. you know, joining in the gossip or blown off steam at the mm. desk. It's, it's more than that. Now, it includes that certainly, but uh, yeah, so a little bit of a long winded all over yeah. the place answer. So I totally get that tension though when you're having a conversation with someone about the gospel, you just want them to keep listening. And there's a few points where they're just, they're going to shut down straight away. Or there's things that they just want to know, like they'll ask you the, you know, the hot topic questions and you just think like, Oh, I really want to keep this convo going. So I'll just slide over that a little bit. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, They ask about same sex marriage or they ask about suffering and the problem of evil or whatever it is. And you kind of like, Oh, and, and you know, that, that that happens to Paul all the time. Mm. You know, so there's two or three places in the book of Acts where he gets to the resurrection and that's when the the crowd loses it. Mm. So in, in, in Athens, that's where it ends. So he has this really carefully composed, he starts with their city and says, oh, I've looked at all the gods that you worship and there was a statue to the unknown God. I'm going to tell you about that unknown God and talks about, you know, big, broad themes that they would have really resonated with. And it's kind of philosophically appropriate. And he uses some of their poetry and you're like, oh, that's very clever. And he gets to the resurrection. They all just kind of go, you're out of your mind. And that's (laughs) the end of it. And you're like, and so he just kind of went, all right, that's as far as I could go. But he had to get to the resurrection. Now, I'm not sure the resurrection is what would stop people from listening today. No. Right? They might have questions about it, but that's not the big questions. So, you know, that adaptation becomes pretty important. And you That's know. reassuring that it happened to Paul too. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. It makes yeah. me feel good. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a few places actually where it, it, all, it hits the fan at the resurrection. Mm. Um, as, as kind of the, you know, what does he call it in Corinthians? It's a stumbling block for the Jews and... Or is it a stumbling block for the Gentiles? No, it's a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that's the point. And he, like, it was that point that people either walked away or said, "I'm interested. Can you tell me more?" Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I guess we leave that part up to the spirit. We just say what we can say, <laughs> and then just see where they want to take it. Yeah, from in lots of ways. In lots yeah. of ways, that's what we have to do. Yeah. You know, and Jesus. You know, when Jesus told parables, for instance, he told parables. You might remember he, his disciples ask him, why do you tell everything and say everything in parables? And he's like, oh, so that people be ever listening but never understanding. Yeah, and thanks, you're like, Jesus. What? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's actually quoting a section out of Isaiah chapter 6, which seems to be suggesting that people's response to, to the gospel tells you about the state of their heart. Um, so, you know, in the parable that that, that – um, interpretation is found in the parable of the seeds or the soils is better known as it's not the seed. That's the problem. The mm. seed will grow wherever it lands. The problem is what sort of soil does it land on? And Jesus speaks in parables. And for some people, they just seem to kind of went, oh, whatever, this is too hard and walked away. Mm. But anyone who kind of pressed in and leaned into the parables and said, can you tell me more? Can you explain that? Jesus always explained it to them. You know, so the disciples always kind of came to Jesus and said, that was a great story. What the, you know, and, and he was able to go, you know, and he would kind of lean into that space. And so I think, you know, that's where you find as you share the gospel, some people will kind of go, yeah, that's, I've had enough. It's just rubbish. And other people will be like, oh, actually, can you tell me more? Mm-hmm. You know, they will be ever hearing and they will respond, you know? And so I think there's, there's some great encouragement in that. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Jade, do you have anything to add to that question? Yeah, I think, um, I think to add on with Mark saying, we also got to think about a timeline because often we want, 
You're talking about a major life transformation of yeah. someone changing their whole perspective of life to yeah. happen in one conversation. Yeah, for sure. It's just insanity Mm. Uh, and I think when we think about the trajectory of our own lives things take time and if you're even just going to do basic habit change it takes time and repetition and conversation and just takes so many things so Mm. there's a lot more to it than just that one moment so I think for people to think in the bigger picture is a helpful thing I also think um, like the question was about how do we how can we sorry how much can we adapt to our culture before we're no longer faithful to the gospel I think sometimes it could be a narrow path with ditches on both sides because often we think oh we don't want to be too much like the world or be influenced by cultures Mm -hmm. like well don't become so involved in churchianity that you're just affect ineffective Mm, the jeans and jogger Christian yeah I mean I didn't (laughs) grow up in the church and I reckon I could smell a churchy 100 miles away because there was just a thing about them Mm. so I think we can go both sides and you know be so immersed in our own internal world and be oh this is familiar this is comfortable I'm not going to go out there and tarnish myself with Mm. the world that we become ineffective and maybe unfeeling and uncompassionate about what people are going through. Um, So I think it can actually go both ways. So we have to be really mindful of that. And I guess there's no particular line in the sand you can draw and say, this is the moment when it becomes too much because Mm. it's always changing with culture. Um, It's always changing with how we're understanding things. It's changing with our own stages and seasons Mm. of life. So it's a tension we have to ride and consider and I guess look at that trampoline style questions that Mark was talking about and jump on that and, and see how can we still keep jumping. I think yeah, it's also, if I can kind of combine those two, Joe, it's a bit, you, the fact that it's not a one-off conversation changes the game in terms of adaptability as well. Yeah. Because it, it, if basically you had one shot, you had one shot. The million dollar shot at the basketball game. Yeah. Ugh, you, then there's pressure. a whole bunch of stuff about the gospel you'd, you'd want to include. Mm. Right, like this is the gospel. I have to tell you the whole thing. But if it's a journey, then then you can you can tell a. I don't mean this way it sounds, but you can tell the half truth. Right, mm-hmm. you can tell part of the truth. What's without, necessary for that moment? What's necessary for that moment? I don't need to tell you the whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I can just tell you a little bit. I can tell you a little bit. I can tell you a little bit bits and pieces of it. That kind of you know the breadcrumbs that lead people out of the forest. You know that you kind of let, let's 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 take a holistic approach to how much I share of the gospel every time. Mm. I don't have to swing for the fence every time mm. someone says, so you go to church. Yes. Let me tell you about Jesus. He can save your life. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, what, let me, yeah. let me tell you about the. Why it matters to me. Yeah. Why it's changed me. Yeah. How it's been helpful for me. And then making sure that you do, as I said, you know, get to the rest of it at some point. Yeah. But yeah. Or just ask him, what do you want to know? So you've asked me, I go to church. What is it you? Yeah, that's right. What do you want to know? I yeah. think also engaging with people, like what's been your experience as opposed to mm. I'm a font of knowledge and I need to inform yeah. and impart my patronizing information on you. Mm. It's like, what's been your experience? Like what's been helpful for you? What hasn't? And just sit and listen with people. Mm. And that's when you can engage with them on a, I guess, connected level. Yeah. So good. Awesome. Great guys. Good discussion. Well, thanks so much, Mark, for uh, joining us today. I think it's been a banger. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> thanks, Jodes. Thank you. All right, Jodes, is there anything in that discussion that you kind of stood out to you or changed your opinion on anything? I think I'm just soaking in the sauce. Yes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it takes it me a good, good week and a half to soak in what I've just heard today. Yeah, I mean, the great <laughs> thing is we can listen back to this and I, I love driving around in my car listening to podcasts. So, yeah, it's just one of those things you listen to and go, hmm, Mm, yes, and just let it sort of, I guess, soak into you, to the, the, the life yeah. of you um, and how you can live that out in your life. Yeah, I think this is a, a topic 
how to be kind of culturally relevant but also, you know, still gospel-based and, and still really a Christian. It's been something I've been thinking about for a long time because I really, you know, didn't want to go the other way where I'm not culturally relevant at all but I think potentially I've, I've towed the line too much so that's something I'm going to have to go away and, and think about myself, um, which is a good thing to come out of the sermon, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jodes. I've loved having you on the podcast today. Jess, can I just say it's been an absolute delight oh, and good. you've been sunshine in the sounds <laughs> of this podcast uh, for the last couple of weeks. Oh, it's been thanks, really great. Jodes. And I'm looking forward to next week's guest uh, who's going to be yes, with you part of the podcast. another gal. Another special guest. Oh, my goodness. Mm. There's so many women in this church who are so powerful. I'm excited about it. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Jodes, for coming along. If you guys want to be a part of the conversation, make sure you're there on one of our three services on Sunday and you snap the Slido QR code before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big 3 podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Big 3 and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there is no thought too small and no question too big. Thank you.